0: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed. Good evening everyone and welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth radio show. Outoflimitsradio.com. I'm your host Ryan. There are two things I love in this world. First one is freedom. And we're going to learn about how to expand our freedom and the second thing is going to the fridge at 3 o'clock in the morning every morning. I don't know what it is. It's like I meet Jesus there or something. It's like fridge Jesus. He's like, come on, my son, have some donuts and have some more things and gain another chin. So you, I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just love doing it. So I'm trying to take more of the passion for going to the fridge at 3 o'clock in the morning and going more into freedom. And today we're going to discuss a book called The Stellar Man, which is going to talk about hermetic principles, hermetic philosophy. So we always hear these things about, you know, humanity is going to evolve. There's going to be some kind of collective evolution. I don't know about that. I think that it's on an individual basis. But our featured guests are going to offer some tips and advice on how you and I, I would call ourselves the uh, the individuals, who very passionate about growing. How we can accelerate that process. Let us begin tonight's show. Joining us now is Mr. David Richardson, President of the Institute for Hermetic Philosophy across the USA. We're also joined by Ms. Carol Haggerty, President of Women's Work at the Institute for Hermetic Philosophy in the USA. To learn more about this organization by going to the website at ihpusa.org. Thank you both for being with us today. Welcome to the program. Thank you so
1: much. It's wonderful
0: to be here with you. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Thank you. Thanks okay. for having us. Our pleasure. So, the reason why I wanted to bring you on is because I read this great book called The Stellar Man by a gentleman John Baines. read this book at a very difficult time putting it down. I felt that the book and the words were, were going by very fast. It was almost as if I was hanging on to a kite that was literally lifting my feet up in the air. I don't usually talk about this so vividly about books, but that's the feeling I got from this. And it was offering a ton of information about the uh, a really advanced look at hermetic uh, philosophies and theories – and I was wondering if you both can please explain to the audience, on a simplistic type level, what are some of the founding principles of Hermetic philosophy?
1: Sure. Um, first, let me say that I had the same experience with that book, The Stellar Man. Um, just quickly, because yeah, I, I relate so much to your experience, that uh, I was in a bookstore and you know, my intuition led me to find the book. And it, it's like my hand shot down and I picked up the book. And I read, you know, the first couple pages and my whole body started shaking. You know, it, the experience of actually being in the Institute is far beyond even my wildest dreams uh, or imagination when I read the book. Um, the real experience of deprogramming all of the conditioning and, and becoming less mechanical, uh, deprogramming the, uh, I mean, deprogramming the um, false persona and getting more and more in touch with your true, essential being, with my true essential being, um, has been an incredible experience.
0: So, but what are some of the what would you guys say would be some of the founding principles? When you think about uh, like two minutes on an elevator with someone, what would you say would be the founding principles of hermetic studies? Sure.
1: Uh, the founding principle is that we're conditioned from birth by almost everything around us, from you know unconsciously, not on purpose, but from our, our parents and what they know from our educational system, from the media, uh, and from everything, um, and, and much of it happening in an unconscious fashion, especially before we're seven. We don't even know how we're being conditioned. And all that conditioning um, really ends up making us act in a very mechanical way, in a way that we're not in control. Uh, the conditioning is in control of us. And so, so what happens when we join the school is that we learn to understand that conditioning and to break that conditioning and to really get to the essential nature the spiritual nature of ourselves and grow the spirit in a very profound way by raising okay, so what, vibration
0: so why um, why what's the reason for the cycle I mean has humanity always been trapped in this cycle has humanity always been trapped in this mechanical cycle have we has the idea or the illusion of free will that we thought to have not really there?
1: Um, it's not there for most people. I, I think I think it's always been this way. If you go back to Shakespeare, if you go back to uh, you know the ancient Greeks, uh, this philosophy goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. Um, people have always been uh, motivated by kind of primal desires. The whole idea in the book is that although technology has evolved significantly, the human being as a whole really hasn't. Um, We still are operated by very unconscious primal drives, look at war, look at our elections, look at um, a lot of problems that we have in the world, look at global warming. Um, And the fact that we can't solve these problems really comes down to a lack of higher consciousness, a lack of higher awareness. If we had higher awareness as human beings, we could solve these problems quite easily.
2: Right. Well, oh, sorry. Right. And we we really um, can't just sit. We can't solve problems by just sitting around talking about them, theorizing um, through philosophy. That's why this is operational philosophy or practical philosophy, where we put into practice every day um, different principles, hermetic principles, so that we're actively peeling away the layers of our onion to discover who we are and what our true voice is without all of the outside voices and outside influences of our education, our parents who mean really well and are doing their best, but it's, it's a matter of for each one of us to find our truth through this work in a very active way.
0: My understanding, or in the course of the show, apparently the human spirit is infinite. We had a gentleman on some time ago, George Kovacilas, who said this idea that we are created is the biggest lie that was ever sold to human race. We we we're always we've always been here, and I'm curious to know if that is true in any capacity. How could humanity be around for so long, and yet still be trapped here? I mean, if you look at the modern age, it seems that there's so many more distractions here. But even before the modern age, like what else could you really do around that have so much stimulation compared to what today is? Like, why is it taking? Why has it taken humanity? so long to not jump to this hyper-consciousness?
1: That's a fantastic question. I just don't think it's innate. I don't think it's something that um, at any stage in the world have, have we been taught this. I think that when we come here, our spirits are incarnated into dense matter, um, and that incarnation into dense matter is uh, hypnotic. That's, that's what it says in the, in the Stellar Man is that it's like a hypnosis. The minute we this high vibrational spirit enters this very dense body, um, we fall asleep. And that state of sleep uh, has us walking around like sleepwalkers. Uh, and until we really can awaken that connection to that eternal spirit, we mm. although the spirit may be eternal, we don't know it. We're not aware of it. Um, we may have very fleeting instances where we feel it, and people talk about these peak experiences where they feel like, they're connected to God consciousness, Christ consciousness, connected to the all for fleeting moments. But really to start to walk around and, and own that and live every day connected to that and grow that and be able to, like, operate as a human being through that spirit is tremendously profound. It changes your life on every level. And um, it's where – that's where sort of true evolution lies.
0: Okay. And also, just curious – Would that imply that this current reincarnation cycle uh, uh, are people here right now are they here because they're they're, they're trapped like they came from a higher place they're stuck in this reincarnation cycle and they can't kind of what break their way out of it they can't snap out of hypnosis are they people destined to be here to keep on reincarnating until they graduate beyond this
2: well I mean you know none of us know have the absolute answer to that question Ryan um, but through my experience in this work, um, I know that I am I right now in this moment have an opportunity to learn and grow my consciousness, um, letting go of, as I said, outside influences so that I become more and more conscious in this life. So thereby possibly by the time I, I pass on from this life into the next or the next part of this journey, whatever it might be, I'll hold on to some of this consciousness and move on to the next path. It's quite possible I'll end up back on this earth again in another body to, to continue to learn and grow as that, that spiritual being inside of me. Um, but I'm not sure that any of us really have that answer.
1: I mean, I can tell you my personal, my, my personal experience just from my own self-searching. Uh, self, um, my okay. personal feeling is um, my eternal being, chose to be here in this moment uh, in exactly the state that I came in. I'm an African-American male in uh, America, and um, I have a lot of lessons to learn um, in that experience. And I'm learning tremendous lessons from my daily life uh, and the obstacles that I uh, overcome or or don't overcome in in my daily life. And I keep getting the same tests until internally my spirit develops to the place where – I've passed that test, and then I, then I get new tests. Um, and with that, who knows what my next incarnation will be, because I, 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 in, in this institute, we really focus on the present. While you know we do believe there is incar- a reincarnation, we really focus on the present moment, and really being 100% in the present moment, and really experiencing what's happening in the present, and understanding what the present lesson is for us to learn, and then by by overcoming those lessons, we grow. It's, and, and when you look at life that way, life becomes like a big gym. And, you know, every time you sort of lift the barbell, you know, and you are and you actually successfully lift the barbell, a little bit more weight gets pushed on. And then you, like, force it and, tr- and push and push and push, and then you get the barbell up again, and a little bit more weight comes on. And and your muscle, the muscle you're growing, though, is your eternal spirit.
2: Yeah, I, hey. that, thanks, thanks. David, for sharing that. I, I guess, Ryan, I, the word trapped, the spirit trapped in a body, I'm not sure if that's the word I would use because, um, as David said, you know, we, at, at, at the end of each life, we, as a spirit, choose the next body, the next life, the next time, the next um, parameters to, that, that we need as a spirit to grow and then are born, reborn into that next life. In, so that we can have those lessons and those relationships and those situations that we need to learn from and now we have an opportunity to learn from and so every life is an opportunity to grow and and move beyond however I don't I don't think it's trapped because I mean we're not in a prison we're in a vehicle it just happens to be a human body that's our vehicle in in this lifetime at this moment to grow as much as we can through our experiences
0: well David I'm gonna relate something to you I I came into this lifetime as a cracker American, and I dance very poorly. And I almost feel sometimes that I am destined here to deter people from having more children. And I think I'm doing a very good job so far. One of the things I love about the St- Stellarman book is that uh, there is an aspect about it that comes back to a gentleman again, George Fla- He uh, talks about this this being. He calls it the the, the God. Called Why and there's all these beings are called whys throughout the universe and they come in and they present themselves to be you know the end all be all creators the all divine holiness but apparently they are the exact opposite of what they depict themselves out to be and I'm curious to ask what your uh, what hermetic philosophy is on this and does humanity in addition to being bound by his own animal instincts are does humanity also have the challenge of having uh, a synthetic or falsely misrepresenting God pushing against them from evolving? Like, how awful does humanity really have it? How big is that wall for them to really push through and to make the next step of an evolutionary jump? Right.
1: Um, so, uh, I'll, I'll say this. You know, I mean, Dario is definitely Dario Stella Summer who is um, the, the founder of the school. Uh, John Baines is his pen name. Uh, Dario, our teacher, uh, actually has a much more access to uh, higher level beings and and a lot of that than I do personally so what I'll say is again very from my personal experience and what I comprehend is that there is um, you know a, a, another side to things right just like Star Wars puts it there's a light side and a dark side um, there is a, a force that it, it love inertia um, however that's embodied in in, in spirit that um, it makes Evolution challenging, and and it's, it it makes it not easy, and and is that sort of hypnotic force that that is that makes sort of growth and evolution challenging without a doubt. How that embodies itself and why I can't say that that's necessarily something that I personally have a have a you know deep understanding of. I'm not at all on on Mr. Baines's level, um, and what we really focus on here at the institute is personal development again, being in the moment. We absolutely feel uh, challenges, uh, inertia um, coming from all sorts of things, coming from you know everything from the financial system to uh, like actual real feeling of inertia and sleep and dismotivation and all kinds of energetic forces that we have to develop positive energy and positive life force to, to overcome. Um, but the origin of those forces is something that I think isn't something that as an individual we really you know, understand fully.
0: Uh, And in the book, Stellar Man, it says at one point, it says for the humanities, people have two ages. It's the chronological age and the real age. And I was wondering if you can explain the difference between the two.
1: So when I was talking before about those moments of like Christ consciousness, God consciousness, where, you know, those moments of ah, where people feel like we're all connected and almost everybody's had flickers of those moments, whether it's, you know, on a good run or whether they're making love or something where people feel like they're something more than their egoic self, those are the moments of, of, of being. <laughs> and for most people, those are, are seconds. And, and those seconds are the seconds they're putting together of essential age. What we work to do in the Institute is increase that time. And we have specific exercises, specific methodology where we learn to be in contact with that deeper sense of ourselves, that sense where we're all connected, and you feel that that joy and that uh, ecstasy, but not ecstasy in a you know in an essential way. It really is that that feeling of being connected to the all, um, of, okay. of being full of life. And the more you have that feeling, that becomes your you know eternal age, your cosmic age.
0: Okay, and. What is up? some people maybe they can't physically travel to the institute, but how can they do that? What are some of the techniques that somebody can uh, start beginning to get into that real age?
1: Well, number one, I'll say the best way to do that is uh, we have a correspondence course um, that you can go to the website and find out about. Uh, So I would highly recommend that because it's a very, it's a step-by-step guide to a lot of, to reaching a lot of things we're talking about. Now it helps to have a group. So if one can travel, that'd be fantastic. Um, but if you don't want to do any of that, I would say self-observation is the first step. Really just being in the moment, observing yourself as almost as, as if you're an observer. So bringing your energy back. A lot of times our energy stays out we're at what we're looking at and what we're attracted to and you know, and what a fail, uh, you know, the opposite sex, um, things we're worried about. Very often our minds are elsewhere, our, our energy is elsewhere. But the more we can then take that energy back inside in our daily life, feel how is my heart beating, how is my breathing, what are you know what just happened, how am I reacting to that, you know what, are, what is my heart beating faster, am, I, am, am I, are my is, are my muscles tense, am I, am I feeling chemicals going through my body that are creating emotion? The more we can re uh, bring more and more awareness into ourselves, the more consciousness we're we're actually creating over time. Now that's very hard by so
0: it- yourself. So is this a challenge to stay present? Same, same present moment. So is there?
1: I mean, so, so I think that's something that's very overused, and a lot of okay. people say it without really comprehending what it is. Um, it's one of the. There's a big difference in, in, in Gurdjieff's view. Now, Gurdjieff talks a lot about the difference between knowledge and being. Um, there's a lot of knowledge about staying in the present moment, but not as much being in terms of real comprehension of what that really, what that really is, because that really means releasing yourself from this egoic self and and being deep inside the, the, the spiritual being. Right. And Wait.
2: and it, it starts by being, practicing being in the present moment by being in your body, right? Because our body is always in the present moment. It can't go anywhere. But if we're in our brain, if we're in our worries, if we're in our regrets, we are either in the past or the future, but – only time. The only time we're in the present is when we're connected to our physical body. And that the first way to do that is by connecting to your breath and breathing into your body and focusing and to disconnect from the thoughts, from the brain in that moment. And we have a lot of practical exercises, and there's some really good books that Dario has written as well that people can purchase. One is called Um hypso-consciousness, where there are practical exercises that people can do and on their own just to get some ideas of what it's like to slow down the, the brain, the parrot that Daria likes to call the, the thoughts. It's constantly um, bombarding us with our worries and our concerns and our judgments and how we should do things, etc. And then another book, the Cosmic, which is called Cosmic Currency, Is a fantastic book for people who maybe they're not ready to go deep into the philosophy, but they really want a layman's book on, you know, the day-to-day ways to observe ourselves in our daily life, with our relationships, with our finances, with our daily responsibilities. Cosmic Currency is something that is so easy to to get through and to absorb and understand that that would be a wonderful book for people who are interested in, in starting this work.
0: I want to really focus real quick on some of the founding principles of hermetic theory. Um, When it comes to this idea of the supercomputer, as Dallas talks about in Stellar Man, about this general need to be so accepted. And when I was reading this book, I actually brought it to the attention of John Rappaport, who talks a lot about the matrix. He talks about the matrix of humanity. I almost feel like these two principles, you guys kind of cross over and blend together very smoothly. You describe a matrix or a humanity being in this control system. Can you please talk about this idea of the supercomputer, why it has such a profound grip on humanity, and why humanity tends to naturally kind of gravitate towards it like a crutch that it absolutely needs?
1: Sure. Um, I'll, I'll tell you, when I saw the matrix for the first time, I think I sat through it. Three times straight, um, and then ended up seeing it in the movie theater probably, you know, 40 times. Uh, it, it's one of my favorite movies because of the allegory, and because it really is a um, profound uh, statement on uh, on humanity, uh, an unfortunately profound statement on humanity. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, the supercomputer is is the structure that we all live in, the connected unconscious, so to speak, um, that is. Like I said, I spoke earlier about the programming that we grow up in, um, and the programming is all in that supercomputer. So I come to this planet, you know, and based upon wherever I'm brought up and the situation I'm brought up in, that's the programming I get. Um, And until I learn that uh, I might be something else other than that, that's all I can be, and I'm trapped in that, Um, and it's totally random.
0: Uh, What's the need for it? Why why do people – have this you know, dependency upon it? Like it's Why do they have a natural lifeline? Even if they're trying to escape from it, why do they have this natural pull towards this, um, let's, let's call it organic computer, shall sure.
1: we say? I think this is my personal opinion. Uh, look, I think there's a lot of security in it. Um, I think actually deprogramming oneself forces oneself to go through a very uh, dark and, and sometimes dangerous void Self observation can be very scary. Um, the more you deprogram yourself, there's a there's a blank. There's a who am I? There's a terror. If I'm not um, the person you told me I am my entire life, who am I? And and you have to go through that uh, existentialist angst, so to speak, um, before you can reach the light, which you will reach if you continue through that darkness uh, with hopefully with some guides who can help you, because you can also go crazy if you're not guided well. Um, but if, but if in that, middle, in that void, and a lot, of, a lot of teachers talk about having to jump into the void before you can discover yourself, if in jumping into that void, um, it, it's terror standing there. I mean, some philosophers talk about it as going past a lurker on the threshold. There's every sort of you know, philosophy talks about what this is, but it, it's, it's terrifying to really finally let go of even the false sense of self, even if it's cardboard, it's all we know growing up. Um, And to be able to let go of that and to go through this dark period of unknowing, not knowing who you are before you can actually comprehend yourself on a deeper level um, is both the most amazing experience in life, but also probably one of the most terrifying.
0: Uh, Coming back real quick again to some of the basic founding principles, what makes hermetic philosophy something that is, uh, how would I say it, standing the test of time, like how, why has this philosophy stood the test of time? It's been around for a very long time.
1: Well, at the end of the day, um, it is, I would say, the, the, at the end of the day, a, a profound philosophy, an operative philosophy that actually really works. So many teachers over time have tried to tell us um, that we're asleep, that we're you know mechanical, that we need to wake up. Um, it didn't so many of the texts but very few tell us how, <laughs> you know, how to actually do it. Even Eckhart Tolle, who I love, you know, he woke up on a park bench one day and, and he was conscious after going through a very tough time and then he was able to explain the experience. But in his books, it's not like, this is what you do, step one, step two, step three. Um, this is how you work on your emotions. This is how you work on your physicality. This is how you work on your intellect. This is how you work on your spirit. And because hermetic philosophy is so practical, so operative, and and takes you through step by step how you do it. Um, that's what's made it stand the test of time, and it's and it's been taught, uh, you know, since prior to ancient Egypt. Uh, some say it goes back to Atlantis, and actually has lived in you know different societies throughout time, and and still lives today because of its practicality.
0: The next thing I'd love to discuss with you both is the seven keys of hermetic wisdom. Can you please go through each one and explain what each one means?
1: Sure. Um, I'm going to give you, again, I talk about knowledge and being. I'm going to speak to the things from my own sense of being um, and really kind of my own comprehension because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that, that matters. <laughs> you know, so it's great what it says in the book, but you have to sort of go from from what you comprehend. And so, for me, uh, the first principle being the principle of mentalism, that all is mind, that really, at the end of the day, means that um, uh, several things. We're all, everything's made of the same stuff, right? Which, at the end of the day, we comprehend even from quantum physics now, right? That everything is made of the same stuff. Um, And it's, it's interesting that science is now catching up to a lot of these things that hermetic philosophy spoke about, you know, tens of thousands of years ago. And that stuff... Is mental. That stuff is closer to thought than it is to matter. It is vibration, and we'll talk about vibration because everything ties together, right? It's, it is a uh, similar to a thought that is vibrating a very high level of vibration, and then everything. If we go into the law of vibration, which is the next law, then sort of cascades, you know, through octaves down to you know the matter that we see. And then even there's octaves even below that that are, you know, other beings and other things operate on. So, you know, but this thought-slash-matter-slash-energy is something that everything is connected to and everything is made of. Okay. And that our thought can actually affect that. It's all a kind so of
0: mental how, energy. Yes, you will, yeah, I actually want to go through each of the Okay, steps. no
1: problem. Oh, so mentalism is the first one, and I was explaining how the universe is this mental matter The next one is correspondence. So if we talk about, and it fundamentally states that as above, so below. So if you think about what I just said in terms of the theory of octaves, and I'll get into vibration a bit, but the fact that this mental principle has several octaves just like on a piano, the easiest way to explain it is, you know, there's a C in one octave and there's a C in another octave. And so you can explain things that way, that what the principles that we understand and the the physics of our, universe the what we see has corresponding things in other octaves now that also means that how I feel internally affects my external world so if I'm internally harmonious I'll feel the world more harmonious around me if I'm internally chaotic I'll feel the world more chaotic around me conversely if I have a messy room I'll feel a little more chaotic inside And so not only can we do it from a, you know, again, octaves and vibrations understanding, it also has to do with what's inside corresponding to what's outside.
2: Yeah, and this is a real, uh, this is one of the principles that you can, well, all of them are practical, but you know, if you experience a, a messy room and you clean it up and you check in with yourself, you will notice a feeling of harmony and order inside that you didn't have before you cleaned the room up. So, again, this is a part of observing yourself um, daily, moment to moment, as much as possible, and it being a practical philosophy, because it's not about, oh, we're just sitting around talking about it, but, you know, you you clean up your room, or you do the dishes from a from a completely, you know, full sink of dirty dishes to now the, the kitchen is spotless, it completely changes your internal energy, and, of course, you feel it in your mood, because you feel lighter, you feel happier, so it's is what we're talking about, just explaining it in that in a, in a day-to-day um, life experience.
1: Absolutely. I've seen departments, and I'll tell you, it, that really works. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so next is the principle of vibration, and I alluded to it earlier because you really can't talk about the principle of mentalism without talking about the principle of vibration. But, again, quantum physics has now come to this, that everything's vibrating. We, we used to think there was matter and, and tap on the walls and tap on – the you know, table and go, this thing exists. But now we know, scientifically, that it's, it's mo- one, it's mostly space you know, and energy, and, it, and it's all energy, it's, it's vibrating energy. Um, and the fact is, everything is vibrating energy, and that energy vibrates at different frequencies. And so if, you know, then taking it back to myself, if my personal internal frequency, because I'm a vibrating thing too, is low, my moods are going to be lower and I'm going to be kind of more tired and, and maybe more irritable. But if I work to raise my own vibrational energy, which is a very real thing since we're all vibrating, my, I tune into a different, almost a different universe. I tune into a different world of possibilities. Everything seems sunnier and I am much brighter. And the same things may happen to me out in the world, but I'm a different person. and I handle them all differently. Based upon my personal vibration,
2: right. So love and happiness, joy, that has a higher vibration. But anger, frustration, entropy, those have a, um, a slower, lower vibration.
0: Okay, I, I want to ask you something real quick. The, you talk about feelings of joy and happiness. You talk about feelings of sadness and you know pain and suffering. Are these? What is the difference between? Having these feelings as a state of natural being within your spirit or having these feelings as a result of a chemically induced experience that could occur because you fall in love, your brain is a chemical reaction. You take a drink, your brain has a chemical reaction. I mean, what is the difference between feeling these feelings in spirit and having these feelings be a result of your body responding to a chemical internal reaction? And how does that internal chemical reaction is at a different vibrational frequency than opposed to having this frequency being felt on a spiritual level? So
1: I, I will explain it the way I understand it. Again, very from a very personal place. When I feel connected to my eternal being, the what we would call emotions are very different than anything we call emotion I call emotions when I'm more connected to my physical being. Um, my spiritual being that I that I comprehend in my way of comprehend it um, experiences a very different kind of I used the word ecstasy before, but the, the words start to fail when we actually get into these realms because language wasn't created for these realms, you know. But it's a it's a connectedness, it's a hormone, harmony, it's a, con, a being part of the all that um, a joy is another word that fails, right? We start to fail with words. Um, but so now on the way, as I'm deconstructing my persona, as I'm, as I'm, you know, going through this work, is there suffering? Yes, because I'm deconstructing my false persona. And so there, there is depression. There are things that I confront, um, anger, you know, frustration. But again, in this work, what we learn to do is when we feel those things, We have energetic work to help us raise our vibration out of the muck, out of that low vibration to, to, we're going to talk about polarity in a second, to raise ourselves back up to the pole of the spirit. And the actual effort of when you feel that inertia, when you feel that low feeling and and putting effort into raising your vibration back to the pole of spirit, that's actually how you grow stronger how the spirit grows. It's a magical beautiful thing, and I'll share one story with you. Um, one time, when I first joined the school, my life went basically crazy. Um, I lost my job, I lost my girlfriend, my grandfather died, like I was under this deep depression. Jeez. I just felt like, oh my goodness. I just felt like...
0: Everyone, join Hermetics philosophy. You know,
1: well, I was deconstructing. Life was giving me what I needed to see myself at the time in a new way, and I was actually, you know, feeling really depressed, and... Um, you know, one of the you know the for the instructor at the time said, "Hey, you know, go for a run, do some of these exercises. You know, really work on your energy." And I'll tell you, I was running across the Brooklyn Bridge, and I'll never forget this because, you know, I did a bunch of the exercises, and then I went on a run. And at one point, I felt, and this was the first time it happened to me, I felt like almost like my spirit rise over my body, and all of a sudden, I felt free of the depression. I felt connected to everything. I could see the sun listening on the glass buildings across into Manhattan and I just somehow knew everything was going to be okay and, and that was one of my first experiences of, of raising myself above depression and knowing that I didn't have to stay stuck in it and that that depression was in my body and it was the chemical reactions, as you were saying but my spirit wasn't feeling that depression and I could almost look at it from a distance and understand that my essential eye was not depressed. It was my, you know, egoic body that was depressed and there was a there was a distance. And that's a powerful experience when you can start to actually really manifest that in your life. It changes everything.
2: Right, because the importance of this work is not denying or suppressing negative emotions. It's it's recognizing that you know we may feel sad or depressed, but if we know how to raise our vibration above it so that we can say to ourselves yes I'm I'm sad or I'm upset but it's not owning us it's not we're not down in the mud with it we are actually accepting yes I'm feeling this way but we're not being completely depressed and sad and miserable but just having compassion for ourselves that we're in a place this place for a reason but it doesn't have to own us and and a similar experience around um or the um, the difference between like uh, happiness and euphoria. You spoke about um, you know chemical changes in your body based on you know like drinking alcohol or or doing drugs or when you're depressed depressed and there's chemical um, changes going on in your body and it's creating depression in the body. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't necessarily understand right you know right away. It's a matter of understanding observing seeing where we are in the moment and I mean years ago I used to think that euphoria feeling euphoria was happy was feeling happiness and then therefore if you think about oh when I go out for have a couple drinks I'm happy I'm feeling really good but that is again it's in the body that's the body's emotions that's the body body's vibrational level Um, real happiness and real love once you start to understand what it really feels like and you can raise yourself to that vibration And once again, experience it, yourself, myself. I know the difference between when I'm euphoric and when I'm actually just happy. And that's a much more centered, peaceful place inside of me. And, again, each person has their own experience, and that's what's key. It's understanding for ourselves, not taking David's experience as my own or he taking mine as his. Of course, we're wonderful mirrors for each other while we're doing this work, but what's important was what I'm learning from my experiences and growing from them.
1: We're our own laboratories.
2: That's right.
1: So so to keep going on uh, the principle of polarity, because it's really, it, it all connects. Uh, when we're talking about poles and raising yourself from one pole to the other, polarity basically is that. We vibrate, everything vibrates between poles. And there's a positive pole, and there's a negative pole. Um, everything is polar. You know, we can say everything from temperature, which you can say there's, a, you know, infinite Cold, infinite hot, and there's you know, infinite degrees in between those things. That's the same thing with happiness and depression, you know, and love and hate. And, and everything that we, we know in the world has these two poles, and we can, you know, vibrate between those two poles. And what we learn to do consciously in this work is to raise our vibration to the higher, more spiritual side of that pole, the higher frequency side of that pole.
0: Stellar man, it's called the Volitive. Volative eye. About yeah, is that what it's volative called? Volative eye, correct. Volative eye. This is where you begin to make that jump from the, you know, the animalistic uh, type being that is dominated by the feelings and emotions of the body and you know the supercomputer, and you begin to make that jump into, you know, this hyper conscious being. I, I mean I love reading about this. Can you please talk uh, give an idea of what this is, why people should aspire to it, and what are some of the key steps to getting there?
1: Sure. I'll I'll give you a very concrete experience in my own life. Um, We we talked about the matrix, and we talked about how in the matrix you're kind of programmed. And because we're programmed, we just go around and around in circles. We say we want to do something, but, you know, the next morning, you know, say I want to run, and then the next at 5 in the morning, but because I don't have the willpower yet, you know, I get up at 5, and, you know, I'm like, ah, I turn around in bed and forget about it. You know, it, it, or, you know, say we're going you know, to change our diet and stop eating sugar. And then when sugar is passed around, maybe the first time or the second time, you say, I'll stop. But after that, it's like, ah, you know, and you go back to sugar. It's, it's why people's lives tend to go around and round in circles, and we don't usually make a lot of change. Um, the volatile eye is actually building a, 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 an identity out of will and really learning to create your will to, at the end of the day, cash the checks that you, you, you write. Um, normally, you know, in Gurdjieff talks about this in his books, we have a million eyes. We have the eye that wants to lose weight, but then the eye that wants to eat sugar. We have the eye that wants to get a better job, but the eye that's kind of lazy. We have, and so we have a million eyes that stand up and answer for us at different times, and those are the, all the eyes of our, our personality. Um, building a volatile eye is saying... I am going to go in one direction. I am going to start to move towards my spirit, and I'm not going to listen to all the other voices that are going to take me off of this path. Um, And and a a very simple experience for me was one time I had to get up in the morning uh, very early at at 530 in the morning to do a task, and I missed it. Uh, And I missed it three or four times in a row because – I was, you know, out, hanging out. I was 20-something at the time, um, and one of my um, instructors here was like, hey, you're giving your word to this thing, and, and you're not showing up. Do you understand not the damage it's causing to us, but the damage it's causing to you by not keeping your word? And, and I didn't. You know, I didn't comprehend that at the time. Um, but I felt something stir inside myself that I needed to change. And so I told myself, and I actually signed up to show up at 5 every, every Saturday for the rest of that summer, to do that thing because I told myself I needed to learn to keep my word in that way. And boy, it was dark and it was cold. and It was raining some of those Saturdays. And you know, the other side of me, the other eyes that were lazy and, and, and wanted to be hanging out drinking were like, how come we're doing this? And you know, my internal fire, the part of me that wanted to become a better man that wanted to like really touch my spirit, the part of me that understood the stellar man at a certain level went back and talked to those other eyes and said, look, this is your fault. If you would let us, you know, get up to when we're supposed to, you know, we wouldn't be doing this right now. So it took a super effort to sort of overcome all that inertia and grow this volatile eye in, in, in that way. And, of course, you know, I've had much, more, many more challenges, and I still have many challenges that I work to overcome. But each time we sort of overcome those internal challenges, we grow the volatile eye. And the stronger the volatile eye becomes, the more we're able to reach our spiritual eye, which is at a much, much
0: higher vibration than our normal life. Uh, I need to pause you there for one second because my understanding is that every time we have this life incarnation, we come back, we forget everything. We come back, we keep on forgetting. I, I don't know why we forget, but what if you you aspire to this and you get to validate and you, you're at this really great point? What what if you come back and you forget? What's the point of even trying to evolve if you're going to always have the forgetfulness? Mm-hmm. And being caught in that reincarnation circle? how do you break out? What a
2: great question. That's such a great question, and I'm sure I've asked myself that <laughs> many times um, while I've been doing this work. Um, this, the fact is that it's it's always possible. It's I mean I'm I have become I've become more solid. I've become more three dimensional. I've learned who I am and taken responsibility for my life and my happiness and my relationships with, my, with myself and others in such a way that I feel that I'm just a much more substantive person being in this world and what I'm offering people and offering myself than I would have if I hadn't been doing this work. So in this life itself, it is so worthwhile for me to be doing this. When I think about the fact that, you know, I could die tomorrow or I could die when I'm 90, and having built up more consciousness a stronger, volatile eye, you know, what lies in front of me. Ryan, I I have no idea. (laughs) However, um, I don't have a fear of dying. I know that I'm prepared. Um, I've been preparing myself, um, learning who I am so that when the day comes, when I pass from this world to the next or if my path is to come back and start all over again, I know that there's something within me that will find this work again and will be that much stronger and that much much more wiser that I'll be able to tap into this in this inner wisdom that I've been growing inside of myself and and then I'll have that much more of a um, powerful um, experience in the next life whether it's on this planet or someplace else I have no idea but um, every day this work is worthwhile just because of what I'm learning and growing for for myself and understanding and creating my own happiness and joy and as a woman in hermetic work, it's you know, we we like to say life is never never boring as a hermeticist. Um, it's just it's a powerful way of life. So I I'm not sure if I answered that question, but Well, I have a question for you, Ryan. Yeah.
1: When you read The Stellar Man, or when you read books like this, is there a part of you that feels like you've heard this before?
0: I don't necessarily get that feeling. I, I get the feeling that it, it challenges you. It, there's a there's a challenge to it, and I was uh, explaining to you not when we first started talking that I love that this is not something that is a given. I feel that in our culture, or at least um, you know, in some modern spirituality, if you want to call it or new age movements, it's the idea that okay, well. The Earth is vibrating, and we're all going to reach this level, and it's going to be like you know, sit on the couch and let this happen. And according to this, you want this. You have to work for it because you're never going to get to that point without having to work for it. You're never going to get to that level without you know being rocky, waking up at five in the morning, drinking the eggs, and taking cold showers because that's where you got to go. You got to get through this this void. And that's what it is. I, I think that the, um, the the work itself seems to be a, a challenge. Can you rise to that challenge? Can you break out of
1: Fantastic. this? Fantastic. I would say because you know, look, everybody's not um, connected to this. It's not like you say that to every single person in America, and probably not the majority of people, and they're like, yes, sign me up. You know. <laughs> so I, I think that you know our previous experiences prepare us for this in one way or another. Um, and, and so there's something that happened to you before. Um, so you didn't forget everything because for some reason you feel connected to this type of work in a way that a lot of people aren't. Um,
0: I, I just feel drawn to it. I don't know what it is. It, I, I mean the whole point about the show too, it's always been a, a, a curious – it's always been just curious. It's a natural curiosity. Yeah. A, it,
1: and just, so it, can't be,
0: it can't be satisfied I don't either. think
1: we forget everything. I think, I think it sits somewhere latent um, in us. Um, as we go get deeper and deeper and learn it, um, it actually, when I talk about knowledge and being again, it goes to our essence. It goes to our eternal being and sits there, you know, and, and our being sort of, I think, sends us, you know, messages and sends us little intuitions and puts things in our life and, and sort of draws us, you know, to remember, sure. to remember, to remember. Now, of course, we're facing the matrix, right? We're facing a tremendous hypnotic force, so... A lot of these things appear as coincidences in the matrix they talked about deja vu you know they appear in different ways to sort of draw us in but but those of us who had some experience before feel drawn in a way that a lot of people don't and that's okay too there's no judgment it just is i i don't think anything's lost
0: okay well hopefully yeah, I'm to kiss you Got kind of curious you with this is going one of the things i want to bring to your attention also the attention of our listeners that if you look at some of the new age new age movement, I always feel that they really prey upon humanity's. Um, e- they really prey upon the ego. Yeah. Like they'll say stuff in order for you to have this, you know, feeling of you know an ego being satisfied. And that kind of it's it's kind of like a false idea saying, "Well, I feel good inside, my spirit feels good." Of like, no, no, they're just they're just giving you an ego trip. They're just they're selling you, they're telling you something you want to hear that's good, and it's such a deceptive front that you really have to be you know aware about that and uh, one of my old teachers used to talk about being aware of any kind of group or any kind of theory that sells you on specialists and tries to sell you that you're you're above humanity and if you were to give three ways or three technique techniques and how to you know jumpstart your evolution what are those three uh, things you'd recommend
1: okay Uh, I mean, number one is the one we talked about before, Um, self-observation in the moment uh, and slowing down. So in order to observe yourself, you really need to even just minutely slow down your movements, slow down your speech, because that's all mechanical. So if we can even just start to slow things down, you start to see and feel different things in the moment. I can tell you that I used to speak very very quickly and one of my first assignments was to speak like this and honestly it almost drove me crazy because my speed was there as a defense i was speaking rapid fire so i didn't have to let in the energies around me i didn't i was i was so sensitive that i that i had developed that as a, as a mechanical defense mechanism to, uh, to stay, you know, protected and to stay in my head. Um, and as I learned to speak slower and move slower, I started feeling different things. I started feeling different things from people. Um, so sl- slowing down helps us, as we said before, start to observe what's going on inside and observe all the energy passing between us and, and other people and other things in the world. Um, one other thing I'll say, and I'll pass it to Carol, because so I'm sure she has some thoughts as well is uh, raise your energy level through um, some type of physical activity, regular physical activity, and some type of, you know, breathing exercises that are going to help you to to raise your vibration. Um, And there's a bunch of exercises that are in the book, Hypto-Consciousness, that we mentioned earlier. But um, this is is alchemical work. Um, It is real uh, energetic work. So just sort of reading a book and going, "I I got it, um, it, it doesn't work in this case, but if we really, it's a, it's a vibrational work, it's, a, as you said, a chemical work, that, but, of course, at the end of the day, chemistry is just vibration, right? Um, and we need to raise our physical vibration in order to reach these higher realms. Carol? Uh,
2: yeah, and I think on a, on a practical level as well, um, well, I think this would be fantastic for any, any person, uh, whether they're practicing this, or, this uh, philosophy or not, is to um, connect to yourself uh, with empathy and with others, with empathy. Um, I think so many people are so um, intent on, you know, running, rushing through their lives, putting people in categories, thinking they know people just based on their age, their color, their nationality, their, their job. Um, and really taking the, the time and, and um, attention to look at each person that we come into contact with as an individual, as a person who we can connect with, whether it's, you know, your, your Sunday school teacher, um, whether it's the cashier at the local store, whether it's the, um, the, health, the health club trainer, um, the cop on the corner. Each person is connected to us you know, through our divine spark. We're all on this path together, whether we know it or not. And if we connect to ourselves on this path with compassion and empathy, and we can really open ourselves to other people on this path and connect with another person, we give those people that gift to to do it as well and to be open to other people and to slow down and connect as human beings. And I think that in itself... Um, would be a wonderful way to to grow to to grow this movement to this this evolution revolution um, when you think about what happened in 9-11 um, we, we were all in New York at that time and it was it was absolute tragedy but what happened was people slowed down they looked at each other as if for the first time and connected just as human beings going through a tragedy together um and you know that's we don't have to live in you know in a in a tragic place um but to really challenge ourselves to to be human and connect with others but we have to connect with ourselves first and that's what this work is
0: we talked about a little earlier about some of the ways that you you, you advance your consciousness you expand you grow I'm kind of curious to know as you get progressively more aware and grow more into this hyper consciousness, do you become less accountable to perceived beings that are, that you would say are superior to you that, that we've been taught our entire lives that most people, I guess in, in America or around the world believe that, you know, you are, we're all accountable to a creator or we are all, you know, subservient to a, a divine being or many divine beings. As you progress, do you become less aware or less accountable to that and become more accountable to yourself? Is that one you know, feeling or a sign that you are tr- coming along your trajectory of this evolution in hermetic philosophies and theories?
1: Well, I mean, again, there's so many. It's hard because I mean, you're caught in definitions and these types of things. Um, but I'll, I'll say this because yourself, at, at, when you when you kind of comprehend yourself, it's, it's a – it's, it's, it's a star connected to all other stars, right? We talk about being a stellar man, almost literally. You're it's it's light connected to all light. Um, so when you're connected to yourself, you are connected to everything. Doesn't mean you lose your individuality. It means that you connect to the greater source, the all. Um, so that being said, you know you you lose you leave, you know. Um, a certain extent right it's and nothing's ever you know boom i'm out you know i'm free you know <laughs> but you leave to a certain extent the matrix you, you deprogram to a certain extent overcome certain um of your barriers and certain of your mechanical behaviors and you become more free from your own mechanisms to to a large extent the more you move along the path um there's always challenges there's always new ones like i said it's a gym there's always another you know barbell or weight that gets put on the barbell for you to overcome Um, we're on an infinite path of growth as long as we inhabit these bodies it's never over Um, but you know definitely the lessons I'm learning now 21 years in the school are very different than the lessons and things I had to overcome uh, 20 years ago 21 years ago Um, that being said I actually understand and this is very personal I understand my purpose on this planet and why I'm here, and what I'm here to do, in harmony with, you know, whatever you want to call it, a celestial hierarchy, whatever you want to call it. I understand, for me, very personally, what I'm here to do, and 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 and, and in harmony with my service to, you know, I would say the force of order and light in the world, um, and and that is an honor for me. Uh, it's, so it's not like I'm out there serving myself um, like I, like an ego self. like I'm by myself, by it's more. I'm actually connected to something much bigger, but extremely harmonious and beautiful. and it's humbling and um, and, and such an honor to be connected to that and, and working uh, in very much collaboration with our, our teacher, Darius sala Summer and and what you know he's trying to do to improve the world.
0: It's Deb Richardson. It's Carol Haggerty. I want to thank you both very much. Great honor to have you both, both from the Institute for Hermetic Philosophy. And can you, before we go, can you please tell us a little bit more about your upcoming event that you have or would you just do an upcoming workshop?
1: Sure. Um, absolutely. It, it, it has everything to do with what we just talked about. As I said, our work is very practical. So this is called Inner Alchemy and how to turn your life's challenges into spiritual gold. And that really means... Exactly what we talked about. I mean, every day we get challenges and and things, uh, are life is hard, right? It's not easy. We live in this very challenging world that that challenges us all the time. But those things are there for a reason. Um, And we're able to, through higher consciousness, through a lot of things we talked about, slowing down, being more aware, we're able to transmute those experiences into spiritual energy. And that's going to be March 19th.
2: Saturday.
1: Saturday, March 19th at 9.45 a.m.
0: Okay. And if you can we'll find p-
1: out more on the website. You can order yep, information at, at ihpseminars at gmail.com.
0: Sure. And we, we'll post the site. And then the website is I, ihpusa.org. And when I see, here's something ironic. It's like today – we're talking about the work for Darius Al Summer, the author of these books, and today happens to be his birthday that we're recording. Absolutely, so, so on the really, Dario. We love you. Yes, we <laughs> got some great things. All right, listen, it was a great pleasure having you both. Thank you so much for being with us today. It was a great honor. Thank
2: you very much, Ryan. Take care.
0: Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of Inner Truth. Special thanks to our amazing guests, and special thanks, as always, to the Outer of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show Virtues. Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. And till the next time we meet, my friends, I wish upon you an abundance of peace, love and beers. Take good care and thank you so much for listening.